Welcome to Rooster and the Devil, where we give you the Americans' perspective on English Premier League soccer, with hosts Brad Tyndall, Jimmy Carn, and Mike Steenstra. Gentlemen, welcome back to uh, uh, our third episode already. It feels like forever. <laughs> it does. Good to be back here, Jim. It's wonderful to be back. Wonderful to be back. So, uh... Before we get into into topics, uh, Bradley, what was what was your highlight of the weekend? Oh, highlight of the weekend, golly, uh, probably Kyungmin's son just continuing to be the savior, and uh, couldn't happen to a, a better guy, at least from the view that we have of him as fans. Um, just really satisfying to have him back, and even though he's been compared to a battery that runs down a lot by Poach. Um, he keeps charging back up. It's been a lot of fun. I also like seeing uh, City play a little bit, honestly, because despite my hatred for them, uh, you have to respect the way that they play. And also, you know, not a highlight, but a kind of a shock seeing, you know, despite having to be away at the London Stadium to play against West Ham, Liverpool draw when actually they might ought to have lost if you look at the chances, despite their 75% of possession. How about you guys? For me, it's definitely uh, definitely the sunny goal. It was just, uh, you know, I tried to explain this to a friend this weekend. He just couldn't understand why I liked soccer, and that game's the perfect example. It just builds up, builds up, builds up, zero, 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 boom, goal. It's just like the floodgates of emotion open up inside you and it's just like nothing I've ever experienced before as a fan uh so definitely the sunny goal I like the way that Tottenham is just um they're just finding a way every single game to get the win and I love that they don't draw at all it's kind of cool how's Tottenham we do not draw all right so we got uh we got both of our Spurs fans here Brad and Mike both enjoying them some Tottenham highlights um uh, obviously, uh, you know, being the being the devil in the podcast, I did uh, enjoy seeing Manchester United getting back to a win after uh, the tie at Burnley um, last go out, uh, and that win also means that we passed Arsenal in the table. Um, yes, so all all good things um, slowly creeping up. We're only two points back of Chelsea for that fourth spot, so um, it was a, a good weekend overall. Um, Honestly, it's amazing how quickly it's amazing how quickly you guys did that. Truly, uh, yeah, I thought it would take a lot longer than this. It's been the power uh, of Smeagol. Not, yeah, been nine <laughs> Premier League games, eight wins and a tie. Um, you know, that's been a, he hasn't lost yet in any competition. Um, you know, going that long in the Premier League where you get some wins, you definitely get uh, get to get some mobility as far as um, moving up on the table. So it's been good. That actually reminds me of the other breaking news for the weekend. Uh, Pogba has signed with Atlanta United. <laughs> Pogba's brother has signed with Atlanta United. Oh, <laughs> yes. yes. Tricky. Big move. 
No, yeah. Uh, I mean, if nothing else, like, it brings, like, a little flavor. I mean, that means everyone's going to lose their minds when, when Paul shows up for an Atlanta United game this summer to watch his brother play. So. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, he probably will. Yep. So, He'll probably uh, hit up the finest strip clubs of all America in Atlanta, <laughs> from what I've heard. Phoenix. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. at, at any rate, uh, Sorry. one, one thing I wanted to mention, and I don't know if we have time to get into it was late breaking news and I don't know how credible it is, but, uh, Eden Hazard has indicated that he's chosen to pursue a move to Real Madrid. So that'll be, anyway, we could talk about that at the end. Um, but just, uh, some late breaking news this afternoon that I saw, I don't know how credible. Yeah, that's all. Uh... Um, well, I think thanks I, for your spec- wild speculation. I, I think uh, I saw that article too, Bradley, but what I read was is that article um, was actually taken like two months ago, or like the interview was taken like two months ago. Um, oh, wow. Is what, is what I heard, and now it just now got published. So um, it's still it's going to be a roller coaster. I, it really feels like Chelsea is kind of like being like, hey, man, if you want to go, you can go. Um, you know, Sarri hasn't been like, yeah, he can stay if he wants to. It's just um, Chelsea is a weird situation to me. They started yeah. out so good, and yeah, then they just falling apart. And I mean, how long has Sarri even been there? This is his first season. Um, you know, to be fair, he had like it was a. I don't know if you guys remember, it was a really weird um, way the coaching change went down, right? So, um, yes, basically, yes. Antonio Conte was like fired, but he wasn't fired yet, and it was July. And he's like, well, you guys haven't fired me, so I'm going to show up and run practice. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, we're going to fire you. And then they hired Sorry. Um, so he's... Where's Sorry, uh, where's Sorry from? Um, he came from Napoli, yeah. Napoli, and um, he coached... He's been coaching for a long time. I want to say he's like 60, so he's not like a young coach or by any means. He's been around for a while. Um, but, yeah, just one of those hot names. I It... It feels like, I mean, what do you guys think? From what I've read, it, it, it feels like he might not last long. Just another manager in the long line of Chelsea managers that don't last, like, more than a year. I think that's the point, Jim, right there, though, is what I've learned in my short time, again, since 2014, actually paying attention, is Chelsea is just a revolving door. And, and it's not as if they're failing uh, an epic Fashion. I mean, they have a Premier League title in twenty seventeen. Two, yeah, twenty seventeen. So they, they sandwiched. They sandwiched yeah. around the Leicester title, so they won the year before Leicester and they won the year after Leicester. So two in the last five years. Right. Right, and and they they just have I don't know this new standard because I know they just got good in the two thousands again after being not so great for a while, um, and it's interesting to see. The, the turnover there. I mean, Mourinho, Michael, I don't even know, you know, Jose was there at, at Chelsea. Um, Two times, had, right? Yeah. And, and you have Conte who I really didn't like very much, but I thought it was a pretty good manager and they're certainly One not an easy league. side to, to play. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. There you go. So interesting to watch. You know what I thought was interesting too, at least from a, a Tottenham perspective is sorry, has all these, uh, people saying they, he, you know, he should be fired and everything. And technically, they're in the finals of the F, uh, the Carabao Cup, which means that that trophy is absolutely worthless, as as Poach said. <laughs> it's still a trophy, but it's it's yeah. the least but, valuable trophy, right? It, it, English teams that it, would be your least valuable one of the year, right, Jim? 
uh, yeah, in, in terms of yeah, in terms of a Premier League window. But it's still, I mean, a, I don't, a I don't even remember qualifying. How did the qualifying work for Cowbell Cup? I mean, everybody, like, everybody's in. Some of the lower, like the the lower level teams, play early, and then the Premier League teams come in later. Um, and I can't remember how many rounds the Premier League actually takes part in, but they come in later, and that's why you usually see Premier League teams um, in that tournament, and you tend to see more. Uh, lower level teams that do make big runs um, in the FA Cup. Yep. And similar, the FA Cup still has that same setup, right, Jim? Maybe just not as extreme, but Premier League teams come in a little bit later, I want to say. Uh, I think the FA Cup, they come actually in earlier um, than they do oh, in, okay. the, in the League Cup, um, if, if my memory serves me. Um, but you tend to see more upsets, and it comes at a weird time of year, too, right? So, like, the Premier League teams come into the FA Cup like right there early January um coming off of the crazy you know holiday season where you're playing like four games in 10 days uh and then all of a sudden you just have your first FA Cup thrown in there and a lot of teams you know end up losing that first game um it's uh it's 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 interesting I mean uh the Premier League schedule has got to be one of the most grueling schedules um in all of the top uh top leagues in Europe it's uh it's pretty intense especially compared to i think like the bundesliga and maybe the spanish league get a week or two in the beginning of january that they just have off and the premier league just does not stop so uh let me uh let me let me direct our focus here on some of the topics that we kind of talked about throughout the week um uh, i want to start with um we talked about the the you know sorry a little bit at chelsea um uh it, it feels inevitable at at this current juncture, I mean, winning is, you know, going to change everything if they're able to win, but um, things keep going the way they are. I wouldn't be surprised to see them gone. But the other thing uh, we had listed from this weekend is Cardiff getting a win and kind of the relegation battle that we're looking at um, uh, as far as teams down there right now. What do you, what do you guys see as far as, um, you know, where do you guys think the bottom three teams are and, and why? Let me just pull this shit up right now. <laughs> yeah, I can start. Uh, first of all, it was good to see Cardiff. I think that was their first home match since the Salah um, disappearance, and apparently they found a body. That's a tough situation. But I, I don't love Neil Warnock. I think it's Warnock is uh, is their coach's name. He suggested earlier in the season after an FA Cup or after a Premier League loss to Spurs that they should be required to play in Wembley the, the rest of the year. I've read some other comments he's made, and he just seems like a little bit of a dick bag. Um, but respect and obviously support for him. He was pretty choked up at the end of the match um, and overcome with emotion, as you would imagine. So it was really cool. I actually watched that entire match, and it was actually very entertaining. You wouldn't think. I think they played Bournemouth, um, and, and Bournemouth is no joke. They're in 10th currently. Um, close, you know, one match would be up to 8th, so they've had a good year. And to see Cardiff play well um, was a lot of fun. And so I think they're feeling pretty good after that win. They're top of the three that are in the bottom at 22 points. And then you got Fulham, who are at 17, and Huddersfield Town is just rock bottom at 11 so I, I i don't see huddersfield um getting out of out of the drop zone at any point this season i think they're just brutal uh i thought they weren't going to make it out last year which was their first year up so i'm not surprised to see them there they're very physical squad but not a lot of quality uh fulham i haven't seen a lot from either i think we've talked 
a little bit about their goals against and the fact that I, I believe it's the highest. And I'm looking here. It looks like they're the highest at 55 goals allowed. So that's obviously an ongoing issue for them. Have they had a clean sheet this season? I don't I don't know that they have. I, yeah, offhand, that'd be an interesting stat. Yeah. So I'd say Cardiff's in the driver's seat to get out. Um, Burnley, surprisingly, is right on the edge of the drop zone. Southampton, Newcastle. Uh, all on 24 points so it's going to be tight and it's going to be interesting to watch what do you think michael what do you uh where do you think your what are your bottom three teams what teams do you see getting relegated i mean obviously it has to be huddersfield town uh wow they stink they're 13 points away from not being relegated so that's got to be a guarantee at this point right it's not good um but honestly what i love about this is anyone from brighton to fulham could theoretically go down um for sure brighton's only five point five points from the drop there so you know like we said in the last podcast i think a lot of the times the relegation battle is more exciting than the uh than the the battle for the premier league title so i don't know it's hard to say um i don't know why but for some reason i like cardiff city i was happy to see them win i also um you know i don't want to see newcastle down I, i like the uh, Almarin, Almiron, whatever his name is, from uh, Atlanta United. And we can get that. In, I think we should get into that a little bit later about what that means for MLS. But You know what's crazy to me? Real quick, what's crazy to me is Palace. I think Palace are such a quality side. Townsend, Zaha, um, I, I, don't, I don't know. They, they really should have beaten Liverpool at Anfield. They I believe beat Spurs. Uh, well, they did in the uh, Carabao or the FA Cup rather. Um, and when we played them earlier this year, just tough. And they're only four points from safety. So to your point, Michael, the relegation battle is an ongoing one. Uh, and there's, you know, 13 games left. So it'll be interesting. Jimmy, Jimmy, thoughts? Uh, I'll be I'll be quick because I want to spend more time on the top six. But I have. Uh, you know, with 13 games remaining, um, Huddersfield is uh, for sure gone. They've are, like their manager already stepped away. I it was a a fun story when they stayed up last year, but just not enough. I think they go down. Um, I see Fulham going down. You you got to play defense in the Premier League, and it's sad too because they can be exciting attacking um, going forward. Um, but I just don't see them having enough. And then, uh, you know, from the glo- teams we just talked about. Uh, I'm I'm sorry to to predict this, Michael, but I have Newcastle being the third team going down, um, and that's saying like I wow. really like Rafa Benitez, but they just they feel so toothless for so many games, and they're constantly set up not to lose. Um, I think even with the, you know the two signings they they made at the transfer window, I just don't think it's enough, and I see Newcastle going down. So um, those are my bottom three. Um, I'll say this is this was the stat this was the stat I was gonna say um so couple or two games ago surprise win for Newcastle over Man City right like no one saw that coming if you if you pencil in Man City getting that win and Newcastle losing Newcastle is sitting in 18th right now on points they'd be behind Cardiff City and Man City would be sitting in first place so I mean it is little things like that that are important um, especially in the relegation battle um. But I just I mean Newcastle isn't that quality of a team, and I just don't think they have enough. I, I see them going down. Which is amazing, by the way. Uh, given a Jimmy's spot on, if you watch the Spurs match against Newcastle, they just parked the bus. Like 
five just constantly sitting back and to Jimmy's point exactly not not to lose not to lose and yeah it was all offense for Spurs which kind of was nice to watch it you know there's no there's that wasn't very many nervous moments so true. in that game but uh I mean you start getting nervous once they don't score a goal getting into the second half there but it was interesting yeah, to watch. Yeah, it almost creates anxiety because you spend the entire match in the opponent's half and it looks good, but you just can't get that final ball, that final that final push uh, at goal. But I wanted to say Jim, the last since I've been following the Premier League, Newcastle have spent money. They've spent a lot of money and I I wonder what their net spend is, but it's not as if they don't have resources to do well. And I know that their fans have a very pessimistic outlook on on the club, maybe because of that activity. They did they did spend money a couple seasons ago. Um, the last two seasons, um, really, uh, well, they spent a bunch of money when they were in the championship to get back to the Premier League. And since they've right, been back in the right. Premier League, they, they haven't spent a lot. And it, it, it does say something in this day and age when we talk about lots of money that their their record signing is still only twenty million pounds. Like twenty million pounds uh, is what you okay. is what you spend on like you know big clubs spend on like a seventeen year old now to stash away on their U twenty three team and they're buying the most expensive player ever. So while I think right. they do like um you see you saw the fans frustration um yeah uh, before that Man City game um uh, the owner Mike Ashley is not definitely not a favorite of uh um of Newcastle and supporters. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of the, uh, the signing as far as the MLS's perspective of, um, for Newcastle there? I think that the MLS is, you know, watching with bated breath, right? So, um, you know, 10 years ago, the MLS got a, got a knock and still kind of gets knocks as a, as a retirement league. Right. So we'll pay a bunch of money for aging stars to come over from Europe to sell tickets. And while that's, um, all well and true, um, a couple of the newer teams, especially Atlanta United, um, has made a very uh, heavy investment in young South American talent, you know, buying guys from South America, bringing them up here. Um, and um, Miguel was, you know, uh, the poster boy for that for Atlanta. So now after spending two seasons and in, in really dominating the MLS, um, it's, it's going to say a lot about where the MLS is at for a young player that they bought and developed to go to Europe to go to the Premier League and be successful um I mean if he is it's you know gonna do wonders for the league it's gonna um help them sell you know some of those young South American guys and coming to the MLS first before going across the pond um and I don't like I mean long term the MLS doesn't want to be a feeder league any more than they want to be a retirement league well are they though I mean isn't that where they should probably be like to be what Bundesliga is now for European talent to be that for South America. Wouldn't that be a great spot for MLS to be instead of trying to be the world's best retirement Absolutely. league? And I think that, you know, the, the long-term hope is, yes, you build your profile by developing those good players that go on to be, you know, in hopefully household names in some way or form, but also as you continue to grow and the money continues to be there that you can keep some of that talent. I think, I mean, you're talking like long-term vision. I mean, it wasn't more than 15 years ago. I think they were down to 10 teams in MLS. So, yeah, I think it's good. I think it'll be good. Yeah, I mean, I just I wonder. Actually, that also brings up the point of 
of them denying loans and, and things like that. Why do they do that? Jimmy mad. Jimmy smash. So, uh... Jimmy hold tongue, you're... then speak. <laughs> What's that? Go ahead, Jim. <laughs> I think... I think you're referring to the article I sent you guys um, about Andrew Gutman um, being denied a loan to Nashville SC. Um, let me get Nashville, a, which is not yet an MLS they, team, right? They're expansion they're they MLS team. Yeah. yeah, next season they are an expansion team, but they are currently competing in the USL, which is like the second division for uh, American soccer right now. Um, to give some context to the story. He was a college player um, at Indiana, had a great career, but also grew up in the Chicago Fire youth system. And he opted not to sign with Chicago Fire out of college as a homegrown talent and instead went overseas and signed with Celtic in the Scottish Premier League. Um, Scotland signed him. Scotland, I mean, the Celtic signed him and wanted to loan him out to get, you know, to get some games in. Um, and Nashville initially said they wanted to loan him, and MLS said, uh, no, thank you. And the reason given was that, uh, was that technically Chicago Fire still owned the rights to him, which is, okay, whatever. Um, but B, what it sounds like is... Sounds made up. What it sounds like is the MLS is essentially saying, like, hey, screw you for not signing a homegrown contract and staying here in MLS... We're just going to deny your loan. Um, and that's like, that's what it looks like. And it's just, Ugh. it seemed petty and it reminds me. Yeah, it is. It reminds me of the Mickey Mouse setup that MLS is currently running. It's frustrating because I like, I, 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 I tell you guys all the time. I want so badly to like the MLS. I really do. Um, and when I see stuff like that, it makes it hard. Yeah. I mean, they have to realize their place in the world, you know? You gotta realize what you are. I'm sorry, MLS, but you're not anything close. Yeah, to and it's adding quality Europe. to the league, arguably. I mean, Celtic is no joke, so it's got to be a decent player, um, especially for an expansion team to bring excitement to this new squad coming into a new, you know, and trying to build supporters in the new city setup. And that's too bad. It's too bad. Michael got me triggered. Shall we move yeah, on from there? Let's move on from MLS. Let's let's jump over to to Europe again. Where can we go in Europe? Um, we did talk about, um, and I, I don't want to be that podcast that does this all the time. I just want to get this out of the way so we don't have to do it till the end of the season. Um, but we talked about like kind of where do we see the top six? Jimmy, you've done. Let's let's give it to Jim to go first because yeah, he's Jim's got, a got a spreadsheet and a pivot table. No, no, no. I just got a pivot table over there. Uh, He's doing some B lookups and he's ready with his calculations and algorithms processed. He's probably probably very horny. He's very horny for it right now. He said, Ooh, I've been looking forward to this as he's preparing it. Minor erection for sure. I'll give you guys exactly what I got here. So, um, uh, I wish it was more interesting, but it's not. Um, so what I did was I took the remaining 13 games um and laid out um how I see like wins and losses finishing and then totaling up the points. Um after doing that I had Liverpool still at number one. Wow. Um I have them on ninety four points to win the league. Uh finishing twenty nine wow. seven twenty nine seven and one. Um and I actually have them tying at the end of the season with Wolves, which makes a heart attack because Man City I have finishing second 
on 93 points, um, actually finishing wow. with more wins at 33-5. and five. Uh, But what trips them up in my predictions is that Tottenham actually beats them. Get some! Hell. Yes. Me like Maggie. that. In third place... And in third place on 88 points, I have Tottenham um, finishing five behind second place, but top four. Does he predict um, a draw? I have, I have them finishing at, at 29, one, one and eight, draw. So one yeah. draw. <laughs> I had one draw. And the Who one do you think they're going to draw? Did you, did you map it up that deep? I, I did. Uh, I had them drawing at home against West Ham. I like it, um, London Derby. Which is actually their real home. At, a, yep. at the new stadium, Jim? Uh, Are you talking about fourth, the new stadium? Is it real? Is it freaking real? In the new in the new stadium, right? Uh, against Arsenal is the first game here. Oh. In the next, it'll be four four Premier League games from now at home against Arsenal to start out uh, the new Not gonna stadium. Not going to happen. So I'm excited I about have that. To I, I have Arsenal. to interject. And the reason, I'm way too obsessed, but the reason it's not going to happen is the Metro Police are concerned because of the volatility of the fans, and they will reportedly not allow Spurs to have that first match as the North London Derby, which is insane, but also cool, and I just love the Premier League so much. Anyway, sorry, Jim. No, let me, uh, I'm almost done rambling, and then you guys can get a word in because I've been talking a lot. You're good, you're good. As long as you don't mind All us right. uh, throwing in little random yes. tidbits. You <laughs> keep going, in, man. I uh, like the structure. In fourth place, I have yeah. Man United. Knew it. On 80 points. Uh, on 80 points. Um, I have them tying um, away at Arsenal and at home against Man City. And I actually have them losing away Arsenal stinks. Losing away? Wait, wait. Whoa, whoa. Sorry, Micah, you go ahead. I'm just saying Arsenal stinks, but but oh. I didn't want to interrupt you. You guys. can always go, interrupt go with it. that. Um, so, so Jim, you said losing away at Wolves, and Wolves have looked great. So that is not by any means a, a silly. I love their attacking play. Uh, and then what was the other result? Was it a draw against City? Um, I had them drawing against City and drawing uh, away at Arsenal, um, and losing to Wolves. But in there, um, in uh, two weeks, and actually we're going to have our hopefully our good friend Brian on um, before the Liverpool game. But uh, I will be watching that game with him um, on February 24th. So that's a big one. That's at Old Trafford. So mm. I'm going to be watching that with a Liverpool fan myself. And your fifth? And then obviously fifth and sixth I have Chelsea. Yeah. Fifth is Chelsea on 74 points. And sixth is Aww. Arsenal on... 72 points. Um, uh, hello, Dan. I, I think the wheels just fall off at Chelsea. It just feels like they're heading that direction. I'm hoping really mostly because we're two points behind. And that, yeah. Who did they just beat? Hutters, Huddersfield by five? believe so. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yep. Huddersfield are a dumpster fire. But, Jim, I mean, wheels falling off. Even for Arsenal – and even for Chelsea, it wouldn't even be wheels falling off. I mean, the, the top four, to crack the top four now, with Spurs resurgent and Arsenal at least still somewhat consistent, it, it's tough. It's tough. Um, so it wouldn't be a total collapse, I mean, to finish fifth and sixth. But I, in their eyes, certainly it would be. Certainly. Well, I mean, to be fair, like when I, when I say wheels fall off, I have Chelsea finishing the season 7-3-3 three, and, three, and Arsenal finishing 7-4-2. and two. So, like, that's... Not a great finish. All the other teams below them will take that. 
No. It seems to me that that top six is, is set in stone. If you look the, at, it. at least the mix of teams. All right, yeah. there, there's no way Wolves catch. Yeah, but the uh, title's still up for grabs. I mean, even Tottenham has a, you know, an outside. I give him a five percent chance. Untrue, because it doesn't seem like anyone five. I, I'm just so being low. realistic. Um, the the thing is, and we'll get we can get into this. Yeah, I'll 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 cover that in my rant, but it, it would be tough for Spurs to to do it. So. Jimmy's top six, let's review again, is Liverpool, Man City, Spurs, United, Chelsea, Arsenal. Correct. Micah, do you want to go next? Honestly, I completely agree with that. I don't see it any other way. I see Man United just surging, surging up the table. Uh, Chelsea faltering. Arsenal is... Actually, this is one of our questions in our notes. Do you think that Arsenal... Or Wolves is better is a better team right now, and I think that's Ooh. a legit debate. But either way, I don't see them rising out of the sixth spot, even though uh, they're kind of hanging in there, only three points behind Chelsea. Unless Chelsea falls all the way to six, that's the only thing I could see happening right now. Uh, uh, that's different than what Jim said. What about you, Brad? Uh, oh, hey. you know I I'm looking at the table, and I thought about it this week. Or at least today when we were talking about it. Um, I really can't see Spurs doing it. I, I think that one fun fact is that they're the best away team in the Premier League. Uh, most wins this year, which is incredible considering that they don't have a home. But I think the not having a home thing just, it doesn't get them in a, in a real fight for the title, unfortunately. Uh, not having that home. And it looks like the stadium's going to be... March, potentially, potentially even as late as April 6th, um, but sh- certainly March would be expected. And even the March 17 game could get rescheduled because Palace is still in the FA Cup, and if they progress, rescheduling, blah, blah, blah. So not being at the new White Hart Lane, I mean, the, the last season in White Hart Lane, do you guys realize they went undefeated? They did not lose a match at White Hart Lane in its final season. Just magical. And... I think they're going to have a ton of momentum when they move into the new stadium. Absolutely, no doubt, but they need to get in there. So I don't see them catching Liverpool and Man City. I cannot decide between Liverpool and Man City, um, but I'm going to go City. I'm going to go City by a couple of points. And I just think that they have so much quality, it's terrifying. They didn't start, I think, Gabriel Jesus, and I don't think they started Leroy Sané. Think about that. Think about what I just said. They didn't start those two players. Those two players have done some of the most incredible things I've seen in the Premier League over the last couple of years. And and those are bench players. They have so much depth. Liverpool is shattered up by injuries right Riyad now. Maris, yeah, so. Riyad Mahrez is coming off the bench. It's insane. Um, so Liverpool is tore up with injuries right now. I, I didn't realize it until this week, and then I started reading a little bit about it. And they really have some significant injuries. And I just haven't been impressed with them the last, I don't know, couple of weeks. So I'm going to go City by a couple of points. So it'll finish City, Liverpool. Um, I I think Spurs have a big enough lead to hang on to third, but I could see United sneaking in. I don't see Chelsea sneaking in into third, but I'm still going to stick with Spurs. Um, and I, essentially I'm going to copy the top six as you guys because Chelsea does not seem – Keen to score goals. Morata, see you later. Um, Hazard is not enjoying playing as a false nine. So, yeah, I'm going to copy you guys. Pretty boring. I, I tried to shake it up, but I just can't do it. I think it's realistic. And United's form right now I is mean, too good. You shook up the top. 
Oh, the top. That's true. That is a shakeup. Fair enough. We definitely have to talk about Tim Weah's goals, and then Pulisic got back on the uh, score sheet today as well. Some Americans abroad, maybe? Yeah, that sounds lovely. I, I mean, I'm most excited to talk about Tim Weah right now. How cool. Jim, I'm wondering if you have any insight on, on Celtic uh, as a team in the Scottish Premier League. I know nothing about Scottish Premier League. Jim, top couple teams are decent. Uh, Celtic and Rangers um, are the class of the Scottish Premier League. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not going to go into the British level of um, deprecation that they usually lay upon the Scottish Premier League. But the rest of that, that league is is pretty poor um but it i i uh i actually have a soft spot for rangers myself um i uh i've been following them um i have a jersey uh and mostly just because of their story of oh, um, um going bankrupt going all the way down going all the way down to scottish Scottish level four anyway i won't go into that far but yeah celtic celtic are a really good uh, team you know they've um for for what their league is, they've had pretty good success, you know, um, you know, making the Champions League um, or the Europa League, uh, and they have a good team. They have a good setup. Um, say what you will about Brendan Rodgers, yeah. Homeboy Way is just scoring at an incredible clip. Impressive, isn't it fun? What do you, what's it's going fun on here? To see him score, I think I think the the people are enjoying him so far. It's pretty cool. So I will say. Um, and maybe we can roll this in later into like our U.S. men's national team conversation. But um, it is interesting that he's been playing more as an out-and-out striker for Celtic, whereas he's been more of like a wing player for the U.S. men's national team. But seeing him up there at strike, I mean, he's scoring goals, setting up people. Um, you know, I, I, uh, for a country that lacks, um, you know, a lot of really good, exciting talent, you know, at that striker position. Um, what do you guys think about you know uh, Tim Weah as a as a striker um, as opposed to like the wing player he usually plays for the U.S. Men's National Team? I haven't seen, yeah, I haven't seen his hold up play. Uh, that's something that I uh, I could go down a rabbit hole here, but the change from FIFA um, twelve to FIFA seventeen, Jim. Remember how I bitched about that forever? I bitched about that for so long. I was like, "This is horrible. I can't just chip it over the top to Eto and let him run in under it, and he's faster than everyone, and he scores." Um, you have to, hold up play is so valuable in a striker. So you, you're depending upon those wingers to go by them and for them to possess the ball, have the strength to hold up the ball. So that's the one question I would have with Wea. That's what Harry Kane's so good at. Um, a lot of other strikers, Lewandowski, those folks. I don't know how good he is at that, but if he is, I mean, I saw a couple of crosses he put in um, and just good through balls, even to start his own goal, and that's impressive. So why not? Why not give it a shot? I don't know, Michael. I mean, I don't really know much about him. I ha- hadn't really uh, followed his career before this. So I'm not sure I have much to say other than that the highlights are really fun to watch. I I love watching him get into it with the crowd and. I know he's not playing a ton of minutes, and every time he's in the freaking game, he scores. So that's all I know. So whatever they're doing works. Is he on loan, Jim? Yes, he is on loan from PSG. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, PSG, well, sons of bitches. They yeah, have everyone. PSG. Give me a break. I mean, you have to You have to imagine he learned a ton at PSG. Absolutely. Yeah, although uh, whether you like him or not, um, 
Neymar had nothing but like glowing things to say about um, how he felt about Tim Weah and um, you know how good he thought he could be. Like, and whether you like Neymar or not, he is pretty talented. So yeah. that's you know high praise from somebody of his stature. Very cool. I mean, the highlights of Weah looks like he's doing everything amazing. Like, it, especially in front he's of electric. the goal. So you gotta like what you see. I'm very excited for uh, February camp, February, March, uh, I guess it's March, right? Yeah, yeah. Get all of our European players into camp. Absolutely. uh, The next international break is from uh, March 16th to March 30th, which uh, is something I had on my note sheet here um, in my continuing nerddom of uh, statistics and research. Um, I love it. Since uh, since we mentioned it... um, uh, kind of talked about you know what uh, what we saw coming out of this camp um, with the two games that we kind of watched and talked about um, going into the next camp. Um, what do you uh, uh, what players are you guys excited to see? You know, um, these will be the only two tune-up games we have before the Gold Cup this summer. Um, are there any players that obviously weren't in camp that um, outside of Tim Whale, which we just talked about, that you guys are excited to see? You know, going into this camp. Michael? Yeah, I mean, uh, you got to be excited about Golden Boy yep. coming back uh, with his big, the big number on his head going to Chelsea, which is fun. And I, you know, say what you will about qualifying last year, it was really fun to watch. They were really close, and Pulisic was just a freaking beast. So you got to be excited about Golden Boy. But then we also got. I mean, uh, just look at the Bundesliga in general. With Sargent, uh, Tyler Adams is a lot of fun. Um, it's going to be a fun camp. I'll, I'll be very interested to see where our European players uh, fit well, in. I, I hope they all start, actually. Let me let me ask you this, Michael, because <laughs> um, I know that, like, before anything else, like, UN's, U.S. men's national team, like, was and is your jam, like, um, a player that played pretty well and got spoken pretty highly of in that camp, um, a guy who's made a lot of appearances to the U.S. men's national team, Michael Bradley. Um, do you think that he has a place like in in uh, in our current setup going forward? I don't know. It's such a polarizing topic with Bradley because I swear the last time – I mean, in qualifying, I was just swearing at him every time I was watching him on the TV – but he also, you can't deny that he's good at, good at dis- distribution. He's very calm and collected out there. He scored some big goals. Uh, he, he just looks like a good soccer player at times. And uh, I don't know, maybe U.S. men's national team fans are too hard on him. Maybe I'm too hard on him. Um, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to want to like, like him for some reason. But uh, I would not be surprised if he's involved in the next qualifying cycle, and I don't think I'd be surprised if he I'm okay with that. He has moments of quality, moments of quality, and, and at the highest level, he's had some huge moments. But then he'll have a complete lapse of his brain, and it's confusing and frustrating. So, it, you know, maybe it's because he has so much of the ball um, historically, I don't, I don't know, that it accentuates those moments where he really botches it. But I, I agree with Michael. I'm kind of wobbly on that one, too. Um, yeah, I'm excited to watch Tyler Adams, though. Yeah, I read an article where him and Tyler Adams could be defensive center backs together. 
in in some sort of formation like that, which, you know, could be kind of interesting because you have the elder statesman holding, um, kind of doing the veteran thing, and then you have Tyler Adams' speed moving forward. So I I don't know. It could be interesting for for U.S. men's national team. And Bradley there might actually make sense. I think he'd be, to me... For me... If he's the guy that's left over from the last time U.S. men's national team is qualifying, that's fine with me. Um, I don't know. Jim, what did what did you think? Uh, I mean, I think, I mean, like you said, polarizing or not, I think the biggest thing right now for, um, you know, U.S. fans is that um, people like the, with a name like Michael Bradley and like Josie Altidore, all we have left, like whatever the good they did for our program, all you taste is the fact that we didn't make the World Cup, and it's fre- you know it's uh, um, fresh in our memory still. Uh, it's it's a hard pill to swallow. So when you start um, we start talking about like you know future team setup, um, it's hard to want to envision players like that in there, even though really in in long in, like in the in the big picture they're not that old. Um, I think that for this 2019 Gold Cup that we have coming up this year, I don't see him as a starter, but I think he's got a spot on the team. And I think that it's important that there's somebody there from the previous setup um, to be like, you know, to remind them that, you know, hey, listen, like we didn't make it last time, um, you know, to keep their focus, to help them learn from the mistakes that, you know, Bradley and Altidore's generation made, you know, having all that promise, having all that build up only to just completely fall apart, um, you know, keep the focus, um, win every game you can. And I think that that message in the locker room will be important, but I just don't know how much, um, how much it'll have on the field um, impact, so to speak. So um, that's kind of how I feel about just it. To I think play that, the, uh, just to play the devil there, though, you know, you could see where what completely wiping the slate clean would be good for them. Get rid of him. Get rid of I, get rid of anyone from the old regime, well, and, and then just bring in the European guys that have confidence. Here, here's and, the here's the problem. Class, you have, quality. You have a coach now who played in the MLS, who coached Bingo. in the MLS. Um, is is MLS through and through? So he's gonna like, he's gonna piss some people off because he's gonna pass on some, um, what you would might say quote unquote potential um uh stars that play overseas and putting guys that might be like more established in mls and he'll, you'll see him play those guys um especially sure. in this early and tournament. i don't have a problem with that um i don't have a problem with that and and like i said earlier like i don't have a problem with him playing bradley i was just playing devil's advocate and by there. piss people off yeah. well, and i jim get means I mean, this, he's gonna piss off jim Mostly. <laughs> Mostly. Mostly he's going to piss off me. Correct. I was trying to say it nicely. Don't get... I already, I already used up my uh, my trigger for the night, so... There you go. So, um... <laughs> I'm going to save my trigger for real my quick, rant. Real quick, I wanted to align with everything Michael said with regard to Tyler Adams and Sargent. Um, and then Pulisic, man. I, he, he's, he's respected around the world, and that's what's so cool about him. He's the first... American player that I've felt has some respect overseas. And I actually saw it. I was on a train. Um, Tim Howard. Tim, uh, yeah, good point. Tim Howard, Clint Dempsey, leaving Donovan at Everton played quite well. Yeah, but, but I yeah. feel what you're um, saying. I guess w- that yeah. I've seen coming up with my generation following. 
And I was wearing his jersey in Amsterdam, a ton of positive comments. I was rooting for Spurs, but they were playing Dortmund, so everyone was confused because I had a Pulisic jersey on and I was rooting for Spurs and they were playing Dortmund in the Champions League. Um, And then on a train, I had some guys in Slovenia. He's, you know, he's from that area. Um, And they were talking to me about him. So it'll just be cool to have him back because I do think he has a lot of class. Um, And then Wea, obviously, see where he goes. But anyway. All gravy, baby. And one side comment, Victor Wanyama played for Celtic, and I love Victor Wanyama. And Victor Wanyama loves spaghetti. <laughs> How do you know that he loves spaghetti? And where did you get this information? It's a thing on Twitter. Look look up Victor Wanyama loves spaghetti. Google it, right. and you'll see some funny memes. And him holding, like, fucking noodles. Like he loves, it's hilarious. Legit loves the guy spaghetti. is hilarious. Yes, and he's from Kenya, and he's the capital of Kenya's national team, and I just I love him. Huh. Oh, the last uh, yeah, last podcast, a, you were he's a great guy. bemoaning his quality. No, well, it's because he was just coming back. I mean, it was his first match back. Um, Victor Wanyama was an absolute beast in 2016, dude. Mm-hmm. I we got him from Southampton, and he's he scored, dude. He scored, and Pochettino coached him at uh, Southampton, so he knew to bring him in. And he was just an absolute beast as a center defensive mid with Dyer. It was an unbelievable season. Oh, dude, defensively that season in 2016, uh, I think we had the best defensive record in the league. Dyer was coming on young, and Wanyama was just crushing people's ankles in center defensive mid. And then, anyway, I saw this week, it was the year anniversary of Wanyama's absolute messiah into the goal against Liverpool. Saw it on the it internet. was just so beautiful. But sorry. It was a crazy I had goal. to have Victor Wanyama rant. I kind of used up my rant, but no, that, no. I needed to talk about no, Victor Wanyama this week. Rant. You're allowed to mit- rant mid-podcast, I'd say. At any rate, I digress. Michael, do you have a do you have a do you have a rant for us? Yes, I. I have. Uh, I was deciding between two different rants. One was about the NBA and trying to relate it to soccer and how much it sucks. But um, as we started talking, I wanted to just. I'm actually pulling my Tyndall trigger card here as well. And I just really want to talk about stadiums in general. Stadiums are the most overrated fucking topic in the entire world. Watching on TV is always better. I don't even know what you're talking about. I know that you have some mystical belief that Premier League teams have crazy advantage at a specific spot. But their advantage is there at Wembley. Stadiums are overrated. The new Spurs stadium will just be a stadium. I don't give a fuck. There you go. <laughs> I'm being quiet. I'm being quiet. I have a lot to say, but I'll be quiet. Did I trigger you there? <laughs> yeah, big time. Uh, so the Newcastle attendance was 29,000. Oh, 29,000. 29,000 attendance for the Newcastle match at Wembley. Okay, there are forty-four thousand <laughs> season ticket holders. Forty-four thousand. Okay, and they're gonna go to every match at the New Spurs Stadium. Every single one. People are pissed. They actually have to drive. I think it's at least forty-five minutes because I'm looking at going to a match, and they have to drive like forty-five minutes instead of just walking down the street. So for the supporters, they're pissed, man. And you don't have the same support at the home stadium and. In the Premier League, for some reason, you hear it on FIFA or on the media, uh, 
waves all the time. For some reason, home is a big advantage for people. So I think there will be a little notch of, uh, of improvement, um, especially, like I said earlier, undefeated their last season at White Hart Lane. And I think they're only getting better, but yet not undefeated this season. I'm just saying. Listen, I, I can I understand think, that, though, Michael. It's annoying. No. It's all we hear about. It's not it's, annoying. It's I, just kind of silly. I think uh, I went a little far on the home field advantage. I think that definitely exists in the Premier League. I guess what I'm saying is, like, the facility aspect of it, I, you know, they're all the same to me. Fair enough. My argument would be the supporters actually having to travel sure. and what that means. If you look at the, the roars and the empty seats at Wembley, um, it's just a different feel. I think the players feed off that. But I'm also a severe romantic when it comes to the New Spurs Stadium. I am <laughs> I, I'm going to go twice by the time the season's out. Wow. I don't care what I have to pay. I'm going. Right. I'm going in April, and I'm going. Michael, if you guys are going in May, I'm going with you. I was looking at tickets. You. I was looking at tickets um, I'm going to go two times regardless. Yeah, I'm looking at that last so uh, I buy into it. Everton matchup. Yeah. Yep, I, I would definitely go with you, but I definitely over-romanticize it, um, and it's because of the damn drones. This day and age, you can get drone videos. I have this Twitter feed that I follow that posts a video like every two weeks sure. of a drone flyover, and I watch every single Absolutely. one, and I'm just way too deep you in. You know, I, I was, that rant was I, in good fun. I hope you realized to some degree. No, it was. It was good, Jim. Do you have uh, Do you have some ranting to do? Do you have any United? I, how are you feeling about Rashford? That this can be a side rant, but aren't you so happy with him? Again, yeah, I like him. I like him. Just gotta lock gotta lock him down to that long term deal. No doubt. Um, I I I don't have a rant, but uh, I do have uh, uh, my stat of the week. Uh, we talked about. Uh, Harry Kane re-signing a, uh, a long deal to stay with Spurs, um, keeping him on pace uh, to possibly set the all-time goals record, which at one point uh, people thought was untouchable. Um, obviously, that's Alan Shear. Um, has 260 Premier League goals, uh, which is outrageous. Um, I think those are between Blackburn and uh, Newcastle. But 260 goals um, is the record. So to put that in perspective, uh, Harry Kane has uh, 122 goals in 175 appearances, which is a score rate of .70, which is just out of bounds. Um, Alan Shearer, to score 260 goals, was at a rate of um, .59 uh, per appearance. Um, uh, That means uh, at that rate, um, if he appeared... And I know this isn't feasible, but if he appeared in 38 games per season, so every game, um, it would only take him another five seasons to pass, and he's currently 25 years old. So uh, it's it's very easily, uh, I think, attainable for him in the next five to six seasons as long as he stays in the Premier League. Um, just some other players of note that are also in the conversation. Uh, Sergio Aguero has played eight seasons in the Premier League, has 157 goals and 227 appearances um, for a strike rate slowly, just slightly lower than Harry Kane at uh, .69 goals per appearance. Uh, he is 30 years old, um, and at his current rate, it would take him uh, four-plus seasons to pass that based on 38 appearances per season, which we just know isn't going to happen, especially with Gabriel Jesus back there. Um, I think Aguero might end up finishing top five all time. I don't think he breaks the record, although he has a very impressive record. And then just um, because I always give Tyndall shit as a um, United fan, I I, I loved 
Romelu Lukaku when we first signed him. Um, Lukaku actually has a pretty solid uh, record. He's in the top 20 for goals all time. He has 109 goals in 242 um, Premier League appearances. That's good for only a .45 goals per appearance uh, rate. Um, and at that at that current um, pace, it would take him nine-plus seasons to pass the 260 goals. Um, and he, by the way, is only a, uh, like a, a roughly 100 days older than Harry Kane. So um, I just wanted to kind of like uh, put that goal chase into perspective that it is uh, very much in Harry Kane's uh, um, view. How spursy of you. I love it. Uh, Lukaku is legit. I, I do like Lukaku. I liked him at Everton. Um, but that's insane. And, yeah, I, I guess can you guys give me a couple of minutes? I need to uh, – uh, that was just great. Sure. That was just great, Jim. But yeah, uh, here, here I, I got some – like yeah. Sergio, did you see his third goal, his handball goal? The dick goal. It's a dick goal. I thought it was legit um, yeah, it was, in the end, like per the rules, the way I understand them. But yeah, it was. It definitely got a little arm. His little uh, Megan Rapino. Did you see Men uh, in Blazers? They called it the Megan Rapino haircut. <laughs> <laughs> Aguero's legit too, man. Like no that's comment. the thing. Aguero's world class, right? Renowned as world class, and and I don't disagree. But it's just interesting the perception that Harry's like having to fight to be in the debate for world class, and yet his strike rate is better. Um, he's younger. I, I don't know. It's it's just fun to watch him, man. I I don't love that he's a Patriots fan. He was seen with Robert Kraft, Tom Brady, um, JJ Watt at least. Um, but it, it, edit, yeah. edit all of that out. I saw I a funny. Yeah, fair I enough. saw a funny theory about his Patriot <laughs> fandom. Do you want to hear it? Stan, sure. uh, Stan Cranky oh, owns gosh, the Rams. He also owns Arsenal. So, thorn in the Arsenal side for him to like the Patriots. So, there you go. Take with that what you will. Whatever. Uh, I like the association. Yeah, the association is excellence. That's what the association is. He's mystified by the NFL. He's mystified by Tom Brady. I think Jimmy made a good comparison. We were talking over text. And Jimmy said the the my body is a temple thing. That's very much Harry Kane, man. You you guys know that he was a little chubster. Uh, he was a goalkeeper, little chubby little goalkeeper, and he is bought in fully to Pochettino's rigorous training and their sports science and all of that stuff. And I think he he likes to be around people who are going to try and improve him. And if you know, maybe you can talk to Tom about longevity because he talks about that all the time and. He, he says that he's going to be back soon. He's been training in the Bahamas, and there are now rumblings that he could be back as soon as next week for Dortmund's, uh, the Champions League first first leg, dude, on the bench at least. That would be incredible. They targeted like early to mid-March for him initially, and he always comes back a little early, so I'm trying to hold my excitement, but uh, what a difference he makes in, in the side. Oh Certainly, Son has been great, but um, He's the greatest be great. player, arguably, actually, Inarguably, in my opinion, the greatest scorer in the Premier League since I've started watching. Although that's probably arguable because Salah, Salah is Salah, <laughs> yeah. Salah, maybe yeah. yeah. He's uh he's he's certainly not on the the Wayne Rooney uh pub beer fish and chips and cigarettes. I, uh, <laughs> um, I didn't realize Wayne Rooney was so prolific. <laughs> I looked it up today and he's in second. I was like, oh, all right, incredible. Yeah. Wayne Rooney's well, legit, so man. The other thing you got to remember too. 
The other thing I remember, too, and uh, Wayne Rooney does pip uh, Harry Kane at this, but um, Harry Kane, I think, will certainly pass Wayne's 207 goals. Um, but the other stat is that he scored 207 goals, which is best for second all-time, and he has, like, 103 assists, which is good for fifth all-time. Wow. So the, the assist thing on top of the goals is is impressive. People forget for all of, like, the balding and fat and slowness that – uh, Wayne Rooney was there was a like a period of time there from like 2008 to 2010 2011 he was a top five player in the world like you um in some of those uh, in both of those Champions League's uh final losses we had to Barcelona I remember one of the game we lost four to one mm-hmm. I think and Wayne Rooney uh was the only player that deserved to be on the field of Barcelona for Man United it, he was fantastic at one point but I like Wayne Rooney. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, and did you see the uh, goal for DC United? Well, several goals for him for DC United, but one where he chases the guy down, like last dying minute embers of the game, yeah. um, and tees up a cross. Just so cool. He actually, uh, that DUI was about 20 minutes away from my home, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> you could have had some drinks with him, Michael. I, I would have loved to. Apparently he was out oh, in Bethesda, gosh. which is couple times was, over for me before the DUI and ah, how amazing that would be I'd be like there, Rooney dude if I Rooney if I could uh, <laughs> if I could have a beer with Wayne Rooney in my life would be complete I heard uh, I bet what? he I was saying said, that he can go in DC unrecognizable which is insane for him I bet because I bet he can't go anywhere in England or even Europe for that matter but he can walk around DC and be Largely unrecognized. Amazing. That's what I think they like about the MLS, too, you know. Um, not everybody knows soccer players. And even, like, Harry coming over for the weekend, I bet he hadn't, didn't have to deal with too much shit. I bet you're right. I'm sure some people recognize Wayne him. Rooney. Wayne Rooney. I, oh, uh, I'd I'm love to have to a kale year. smoothie with Harry Kane. <laughs> I actually eat kale smoothies every day. I'd love to go. I want to go lion hunting with Ibrahimovic. <laughs> I would Does love he do that. that. I'd love that. That actually, if I had to pick one player, Jim, to have a beer with, it would be Ibra, hands down. Really? I'd go drink with yep. Sonny. He's he's insane. Yeah, but Sonny is too sweet. Like Ibra's crazy, man. You don't know. You don't know what's gonna happen. He's crazy. Ibra. You know? he's about to get like, he's a, I yeah. guarantee he snorted. Quote, 